everyone and welcome to Volume 6, Issue 288 of Cain and Rince. In this issue we will be covering Frictional Games, Soma. But before we dive into that, play along with us. Um, we have the full schedule of our upcoming shows all the way up to issue 300 on the Cane and Rinse website. And here are a few issues that you can look forward to. Bayonetta 2, Grim Fandango, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, Beyond Good and Evil, and the Capcom vs. series. You can also find articles, features, reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook page, and YouTube channel over on our website. We also have a Patreon, um, but there's no hidden paywalls, there's nothing we're hiding, everything's uh, free for everyone, but if you feel like giving back to the podcast, you can, and you can contribute as little as $1 um, and that helps us greatly. We do have a campaign target that we're trying to hit. If we reach $3,000 per month by mid-November, we will be doubling the number of Cane and Rinse podcasts we make going into the next year. So please help us hit that goal. If you'd prefer something tangible in return for your hard-earned money, uh, check out our uh, merchandise store and you'll find t-shirts and bags, etc. over at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash And also, remember our video games music podcast, Sound of Play, growing in popularity with every passing week. It's a great podcast. And also, it really helps us out if you review, rate, and subscribe to both our podcasts on iTunes or whichever platform you prefer. Joining me, Joshua Garrity, in issue 288 are Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. And Tony Atkins. Hello. So, Soma, what is it? It is a first-person survival horror game set in the not-too-distant future, and you are exploring the abandoned hallways of Pathos 2 for unknown reasons that we will get into. This game was developed by Frictional Games. Um, they also created the uh, Penumbra series, um, also most famously uh, Amnesia The Dark Descent, which we covered in issue 245 of Kanarin, so please check that out before listening to the rest of this issue. Um, so some notable uh, names involved in this project. Um, director was Thomas Grip and producer was Jens Nielsen, both of which were uh, worked as designers on the game. The writer was Mikhail Hedberg, and compose the composer was Miko Tarminia. Um, this was released on PC and PS4 on the uh, 22nd of September 2015. There has been an Xbox One announce, uh, Xbox One version announced. I believe it's not currently released on that format, but will be in the not too distant future. So, let's get into our histories, and I'd like to start with Sean. Yeah, my history goes back to day one, really. I um, picked it up on the PS4. Um, I was a 
pretty big fan of Amnesia, as anyone who listened to that uh, issue would know. So when I first saw the uh, teaser for the new one, I was like, oh, cool. It's the guys doing, the guys and girls doing Amnesia, or who did Amnesia, but now they're taking on something like, it looked like kind of like a Lovecraftian um, H.R. Giger kind of kind of thing. So I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sold already. Like you guys, you just named like all the three of my favorite horror things right in a row. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, it was day one on PC. Actually, I said PS4 earlier, but sorry, no, I was PC. I picked it up on PS4 later. Tony? Um, I've actually bounced off frictional games, other games in, uh, that they've produced. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit about that later, but Soma for me was slightly different. It's the first one of their games that I've actually got past the opening couple of hours and, and felt like I could actually stick with it. Um, but... I played this around Christmas time, I think, 2015, um, but only for about an hour. I was playing with my uh, my friend, good friend John. Um, we sat down, just played through the first hour. Really liked what I saw, but then fell asleep. Uh, he went on to play for about <laughs> another hour, <laughs> and and that was that. And I I never came back to it up until um, well the last couple of weeks. Um, just obviously for the show, wanted to be nice and fresh. I've been actually been really wanting to play it um, because I really that first kind of taste of that hour. And, and John's a big fan as well, and he's been talking about it. Um, but just when we know we've got a, a show coming up, it's it's nicer to be kind of closer to it and just having that fresh experience in my head. So waited a long time to get onto it, and so yeah, yeah, the last couple of weeks. But uh, I played it on PlayStation Four. So this was actually the um, the first of Frictional's games that um, I managed to complete. Um, it ended up inspiring me um, uh, to you know take an interest in their other games, and I'm really glad we uh, we covered Amnesia um, in this kind of uh, volume of uh, Kane and Rince issues, um, and I got to you know catch up with that um, having um, having missed it before. Um, when I say missed it, what I actually mean is I played ten minutes of it uh, before <laughs> playing Soma and, and quickly turned it off because mm-hmm. I was too scared. Um, so uh, that was my yeah. So that was my previous experience with uh, Frictional before Soma. So I, I saw the um, the teaser trailer that they um, released for this game ages and ages ago, and um, what's interesting about that original trailer is they're showing stuff that just ne- doesn't feature in the finished yeah. game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There's this guy on an operating table with a cloth mm-hmm. draped over him, and you're inserting this kind of like mechanical brain into where his organic brain would be, and he starts like spasming on the table, and it's really horrific, and then you. You kind of walk out into what looks like the set of aliens yep. <laughs> and um that in of itself um was really intriguing and then they they can, can it feels like at a certain point in development they still had the same theming that you know they were drawing from the same inspirations but they they went in a different direction and and the thing that i think sold me on trying the game out i think i i finished uh, soma in early 2016 so i was late to the party um was main like mainly people just constantly mm-hmm. going on about the story <laughs> yeah um not so much the horror but just the narrative and sean like you I've, you played this before me so mm. you on twitter you kept going <laughs> why is soma not on this 
uh, game of the year list, whatever <laughs> they were like, best games of the year so far. And if Soma wasn't on it, it's like, guys, come on, <laughs> did you play Soma? Um, and so that that was, you know, really stoking the fire for me to check mm. this out. And yeah, yes, and th- that was basically it. And um, yeah, it's I. I mean, it's no real secret what my opinion on this game is if you follow me on any kind of social platform. But yeah, um, it, it's yeah, I, I feel quite positively about this game. But we'll get into the reasons why. Are you on PS4, PC? Not it probably makes uh, too I was much on, of a difference. I was on PC, but uh, from what I understand, that there's not much in it between them technically. Okay, um, well. They're pretty similar versions. Um, the the only difference, um, um, and I think we'll get into the details of this later on, is that PC players will have access to the uh, wuss mode mod, um, <laughs> which essentially turns off the aggressive behaviour of all of the monsters you encounter in the game. But more on that later. Um Here is your spoiler warning, and I really recommend that you heed it. (laughs) So let's talk about the setup of the game, because I have to say, um, for as much as I, as it will become very apparent, adore this game, Mm -hmm. I think it makes a terrible first impression. Yeah, I So... The setup is, so you're playing a character called Simon Jarrett, and it opens up in present day. You're, Mm -hmm. you know, normal technology, everyday, you know, phones, whatever, you're in his flat, and you figure out that he had a car accident, uh, which caused him significant uh, brain trauma, that is uh, terminal, and he constantly bleeds from the the centre of his forehead. Um, and he's going to do this experimental brain scan with Dr. Uh, Munshi, um, uh, who suggests, like, well, you know, what have you got to lose? Like, let's try anything to see if we can fix what's going on inside your head. And I- I'm going to ask for you for your guys' impressions in a minute, but, like, for me, this felt like such an awkward opening. Mm. Um, I-, I think it pays off later on when, you know, Soma exposes its intentions. But um, at first I was like, this is... That, like, I wasn't really impressed with the writing at the beginning because yeah, it yeah. felt like um, it was really kind of campy and am- amdram and um, it... And it gets the moment you get into Pathos too. It, it the the quality of the writing and the quality of the voice acting seems to take a noticeable. Um, uh, it, it noticeably goes up in quality. Um, but how how did you guys feel about this opening? Uh, yeah, I, I also wasn't. Um, I was kind of surprised at how how lame the writing and voice acting was to kick off because like I'm sitting here, I was all hyped up, ready to go. And, and here I, I fired it up and, and like his, his voice, <laughs> I don't want to sound mean, <laughs> but like his voice is kind of like, it doesn't sound like an actual like professional voice actor. It just sounds like, like if, if a, a pal of mine was, was voice acting, he's just like, Hey, it's, it's me, Simon, you know, like, like just, his voice just kind of sounds weird in the first place. But on top of that, the writing where he's, um, where he's talking to Dr. Munchie, and like they're clearly trying to catch the viewer up on on the story but it's it's stuff that like they would already know by now he's like so what are you gonna do to me and munchie's like well i'm gonna do a brain scan and here's what we're gonna do (laughs) you know it's just kind of like you he he's already signed up and he's ready to go so it's just it's kind of stuff like that that kind of threw me off but it also kind of just felt like 
Frictional was just rushing to get you into Pathos 2. It was like, we need we need to have a setup. Just you know, Trust us, it's going to pay off. Um, but it, it just kind of felt like they were rushing a little bit too f- quickly into uh, just just getting you in there. Yeah, I think I think the pay the payoff is definitely worth it by the end. But it it is it is slow to get going. I mean, I understand. I real I you know I like the setup. The setup I think is probably actually needed for the payoff to actually work. Um, but I, I I still don't think the writing actually gets particularly not even not even the first section of Pathos Two. I think it it takes even you know another hour or two into there. Not until you really kind of get to know Catherine a little bit more. Um, and it, it was something that was, I was, you know, I remember having conversations with uh, with John about this and, and just saying, I, I'm not sure, man. Like, the, you're saying the story is really good, but this is, the voice <laughs> acting is, is you know, it feels like it is, you know, the, the guy's buddy, like Sean, Sean said. And it, it I found it quite off-putting. It, but there's even been um, suggestions that it, it's, you know, it's written and it's kind of voice acted that way as kind of like a, you know, an <laughs> an early sign of you know some of the problems in his own mind and i don't know mm. it just it just feels like that's the the section of the game that you know they were least comfortable with making mm-hmm. like it's, it's the most far, yeah. furthest yeah. away from their their yeah. standard kind of wheelhouse of, of design so they, they felt a bit uncomfortable but it doesn't make that much sense by the time you get to the back end of the game that it feels that much more professional when I mean, it's night and day by the time you get towards the end and mm-hmm. and the kind of almost the payoff speeches and and the anger and the fright in in people's voices yeah. it's yeah. it's incredible yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 weird because like at the beginning like i'm viewing the the voice actor who plays like simon uh, jarrett the same way you know sean did like are oh, they just got some guy who's mm-hmm. particularly charismatic in the office to come mm-hmm. in and do voice this character and by the end it's like give him all the awards yeah. just give yeah. him all the awards <laughs> like the and and yeah. even as you were saying going back to the idea that it's not in their wheelhouse i think that's a good point because so like in amnesia that game kicks off and um you, you, your gameplay mechanics are basically the same as in this where you just you open drawers and you pick stuff up it's even less so in this because you don't really have an inventory system but so in amnesia it makes sense that your character would be like he gets up and he's, he's looking everywhere he's scrambling for like a, a lamp and a, a tinderbox and all this kind of stuff but in this you wake up in your apartment and he's looking for that um fluid to drink to to for the scan and it kind of it can look really stupid like if he wakes up and he's just opening every drawer throwing it picking up and things and throwing it everywhere <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense that he would be you know trashing his apartment i guess you don't have to do that but of course that's what i do because i'm an idiot um <laughs> but <laughs> but it just it just it just seems kind of yeah it just again it, the intro is just kind of a little rough but, but it's also odd isn't it because you know you're coming into this game you've been told you know, you know who it's from you've been told that it's a horror game and your opening scene is him in a brightly lit, colourful apartment, and yes, there's clearly some issues going on with his own personal life, mm-hmm. but it's you know everything seems like it's set up to be more than this, and you go, okay, well the payoff's going to happen in a minute, and it's actually mm-hmm. the opening kind of crawl of it not being on Pathos Two is quite long. It's it's longer than I would have you know sitting now here thinking back on it. It's longer than you would expect it to be. Yeah, yeah. So. You get on board the Pathos 2. You start to uh, make sense of the environment, how much time has passed and what events have occurred on the Earth. So the Pathos 2 is a scientific research facility um, at the bottom of the ocean. Um, and it is the year 2104. And 
basically all of humanity has been wiped out because of a giant comet that struck the Earth and annihilated everyone who was on the surface. Um, and pretty much the only survivors um, were the residents of Pathos 2. Um, this revelation, um, th this whole thing with the meteor, um, which ends up being <laughs> kind of, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like is actually a small story point <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, based on what, what, what ends up getting explored thematically mm -hmm. but this is this the more i thought about it the more horrifying this whole situation became mm -hmm. <laughs> like you 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 are in this facility and you know you know that there is no way of going to the surface there's no way of getting resupplied there's you are just left behind everyone else is kind of raptured out of there like they've mm -hmm. all passed on They've all passed on, and and you're left to just slowly, and it you kind of get this feeling that some of the crew members wish they wish they'd gone in a flash like everyone else on the surface because mm -hmm. their fate is almost crueler. It's yeah. it's more horrible. Yeah, it's it's strange actually because I think at the very outset I actually thought, oh god, here's the biggest cliche, right? And I, and I think this is you know partly Hollywood's fault of. There's been so many disaster movies with the end of the world now that it's, you know, they have to up the ante all the time and it just becomes you know almost boring. Um, so when I saw this, I was like, OK, so, yeah, the humanity's, you know, been deceased at the top and we're stranded at the bottom of the sea. You know, and it had, obviously has Bioshock yeah, overtones and it was like, OK. Um, and as you say, uh, Josh, I think the further you get in and the further you, you know, you explore Pathos 2 and you realise, hang on a minute, you know, they were in contact with, you know, equal, you know, just scientific bases around the world. And each one starts to sign out as their own fate is you know, presumably wiped off the, the planets of the Earth. And, you know, that's sad because it's colleagues and people that they know. And you can kind of see that within the notes. And then as you get further and deeper into um well deeper into the story and and below the surface you you start to see the impact it's had on the community of people on Paphos 2 and then deeper into you know delta etc as you go further down and you realize yes on on the surface it's quite a cliched kind of um yeah, way of kind of well that's done up the top but actually by the time you get to towards the end of the story you you realize actually no this is you know, this is a massive incident and the people down here yeah. are doing having to deal with it in their own very specific ways i i think the the way in which this event is unique is that it's an apocalypse without the post apocalypse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. there's no there's no fallout you know yeah. uh fallout free you know fallout new vegas fallout 4 style mm -hmm. civilizations you know Rebuilding, rising from the yeah. ashes yeah there's not like no humanity is done like <laughs> we yeah. we there is only like but i mean by the time that you enter the story and we'll get into this there is only one truly you know truly human person left on earth that <laughs> that's not that's not sustainable there's no way mm -hmm. our species is get coming back and i feel like the magnitude of that emotionally it, it just felt like an emotional gut punch for me mm -hmm. the, the 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 like the the voice acting of the the final human whose name is um uh, sarah lindwall um she, she like the revelation that she's the last one yeah the way it hits her it's just crushing like to know that like 
I'm never going to see anyone ever again. Like, I'm never going to have contact with anyone ever again. I'm it. That's all mm-hmm. there is. That's And we're jumping a little far ahead here, but that to me, so then she asks you to pull the plug on her because she's like, what, why bother? <laughs> why am I still here? And that for me was like, it's not, it's not the same way that it changes the story, like something like Mass Effect, but I was reminded of like earlier kind of gameplay choices like that, where I just kind of sat there and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, this is just a video game. Nothing's going to change. Uh, but I was sitting there, like I, I could thinking, like if I, this was really me, like what would I do here? Would I hmm. would I pull the plug on this on this woman and and completely that's it, that's done, humanity is gone, or or do I try and keep that one piece of hope left? You know, like what if something changes sometime? Um, but I just yeah. thought that was a pretty that that whole sequence and just the whole idea, as you're saying, to kind of bring it back, is of, of complete total eradication of humanity is just something that games I think are maybe a little afraid to get that grim <laughs> sometimes. But. Well, I, I, and I think normally that comes from because where's the, where's the story in itself? Where's the hope? The, the game has its own little story to tell where, you know, hope may lay in a, a, a different form in sure, the arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, normally if you just wipe out humanity and there's nothing left, then it's just a, a depressing tale. But, you know, I think there is, an upswing in this story to be told. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, humans as a physical form are all but deceased. Yeah. The, the, I mean, it really started to hit home when you you listen to some of the, the voice recordings and calls that they've had with family members and boyfriends and stuff. There's one in particular where um, this boyfriend is like, Basically, I think the two of them have been fighting a lot recently because of her choice to go to this, you know, research facility and progress her career in, in, instead of progressing their relationship and going where he wants to go. And then he just he apologizes, like, "I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. Like, I you, I should have supported your dreams, and I wish I wasn't telling you this with the sky falling." And it's just it's it. <laughs> really yeah. it really hit me and there's loads of like um we, we were complaining about the writing in the early section of the game but there's some really like mm-hmm. um, touching stuff. small small touching moments mm-hmm. and it's not overwrought it's not you know like it doesn't feel melodramatic it's just small moments between people and it's so affecting um i think we need to we we need to move on to the wow mm-hmm. which is kind of it is the catalyst for much of the the thematic exploration in this game so the wow um otherwise known as the warden unit is an ai um that controls a substance called structure gel which is going kind to of spread out without uh, throughout the facility of pathos 2 the the function of which is to essentially repair any kind of electrical uh, electrical equipment that goes down um repair any leaks any you know scratches etc etc to the facility and the structure gel is capable of conducting electricity um liquefying hardening it it's kind of this multi-purpose substance that can morph and change the uh, environment around it and and it was, you know, its intended use is to, you know, maintain the pathos too. Mm-hmm. However, the WoW is programmed with a order um, that simply states, 
preserve human life. Now, the WoW is not actually, like, this isn't a story of an AI that's, you know, human-level intelligence or something like that. It is a fairly simple AI, and it doesn't have the ability to, com- you know, fully comprehend what that means, preserve <laughs> human life. Yeah. And thus, it has several <laughs> interpretations <laughs> of what that order means. Um one of which, and I think this is the, our, you know, the first thing we're introdu- uh, introduced to, and I think we should spend some time just talking about this, is the the use of brain scans mm-hmm. of uh, the crew members, uh, you know, the the scientists on the Paphos two, using the brain scans and kind of transferring them into um, robots called Mockingbirds, which is, hey, that's a symbolic name. <laughs> um, um, robots called Mockingbirds. And you, sent, you essentially, the first encounter you have is with a Mockingbird that thinks it's Carl. Yep. Um, and um, it's basically, it thinks it's a human. It thinks it's flesh and blood. It thinks uh, it doesn't, it's not a, he's not able to comprehend the robot body that we are witnessing in front of us and how did like i i want to i will go into how i felt about this particular moment but how did you guys feel about meeting carl <laughs> this for me was where I, I i noticed a step up in the in the voice acting because on both on both characters so carl really sold to me that this was a that there was a person inside here that, that really did believe that they were human and 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 when you have to turn off his power uh, later to get to, what is it to get through another you have to to divert that power right to somewhere else access um, door yeah yeah and and you hear him screaming like to me I was like oh my god I turned it back on <laughs> like I was I was worried about him and that is something that um. It's, you know that's a concept that's been discussed in a lot of sci-fi before of, of of do you do we feel for we just discussed it a couple weeks ago in Blade Runner like mm-hmm. um the idea do you feel for robots if if they if they feel alive um you know what is the idea of of humanity or, or a soul or whatever I guess if if we can transport them into these things and so and but all of that came later for me but at at that moment right then I felt like this was a real person. And that to me was just fascinating. Also, at the same time, like it started, it planted this seed in me to where I, I kind of guessed the, um, the twist here. I was like, what if this is the same thing happening to me here? Um, I wasn't totally sold on it yet, but that did kind of plant this, 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 this kind of paranoia. And is Simon real, or is he also a robot as well? Yeah, for me, it's, it's the first time that the the questions start to get. Um, raised because it, obviously at that point you know you, you've ended up in this place and you're not sure um, exactly where you are and it, it all starts to make sense but then you first you come across Carl and he starts to speak to you in a human's voice um, mm-hmm. has no comprehension of that he's a robot and is you know seemingly fairly worried about the, the whole prospect of being a robot mm-hmm. and it's the time that the game then you start to say okay well it's it's mechanics here are going to change considerably it's not just a uh, you uh, a walk around the base it's it's there's something more here going on um and like you i i flipped the switch quickly turned it back off again because i you know <laughs> I, I couldn't deal with the screaming mm-hmm. um and yeah it brought up choices um which obviously yeah josh yeah you clearly you clearly had a choice here well 
here's the thing. Um, this this <laughs> um, this moment sticks out for me because I messed up really badly mm. here. Um, so. Like you guys, I switched on the thing. Um, he started screaming because he was basically being tortured by electricity. I turned it off, went back to talk to him. He's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like, why would you do that? And so the, the choice is you, you, you can kind of... you. There is a way to open up the path without, yep. you know, <laughs> electrocuting him. But it's more difficult and um, it puts you, puts you in a difficult position. Mm. Um the easy way is to just torture him for the end of all time and uh, be on your merry way. <laughs> now, the thing is, I I didn't know the easy way um, the first time I was doing this. So I constantly kept fiddling with it with the same mechanism mm. that was torturing him. And I kept turning it on and off, on and off, on and off. <laughs> and he kept screaming and screaming. And, like, I would check in with him in between yeah. this. Like, and he would talk, ah, why are you doing... And then... At a certain point, he just went silent, yeah. just complete. He was still still there. He was still looking at me, but he had just fallen complete. And I feel like I had just committed, like I had committed such torture. an act of torture <laughs> and violence on this this creature yeah. that I had broken their mind. <laughs> and this, this was the moment where I kind of knew I was going to fall in love with Soma, <laughs> even though I, even though I had, it basically made me commit one of the most profound acts of cruelty I have ever committed <laughs> in a video game. Like the fact that I felt so awful, mm -hmm. like unbelievably and by that point i was like i'll flick on the switch he can scream uh because <laughs> i i basically i destroyed that person in my mm -hmm. head i had i had already destroyed them um and it and it doesn't stop there <laughs> like there, there are other there are other encounters with mockingbirds uh, mockingbirds that are equally horrifying yeah. um there's this one point where you're at a terminal and there's a mockingbird just you know drawing power from the terminal mm -hmm. and in order for you to pro progress you have to unplug the mockingbird Mm. You pull out one cable, and she starts going, please no, please don't yeah. do it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's just a shiver went yeah. down my spine. <laughs> and you pull out another one, and it's like, why, why, why? And she powers down, yeah. and she's dead. Yeah. It's just, I just, I it, it that imagery just stayed with mm -hmm. me for months and months after completing it. Mm -hmm. It's funny, actually, because... um, That stuff didn't get under my skin straight away. It wasn't actually mm. until the... Towards actually quite a way towards the back end of the game where I say you make a copy of yourself for the first time that all mm. that stuff really started to, to link back because I, I think I had more context of what I was doing and actually um, experiencing an out-of-body experience, uh, experience and realizing that I'd just left a copy of myself and having that decision I think I could really then appreciate okay these were or these, you know, from a visual point of view, inside those robots, they think mm -hmm. they are nothing but human, as well as yeah. me walking around for the longest of time, believing I was a human until it became blatantly obvious that I was a, mm -hmm. a, you know, a robot with a human's mind. We, um, I think, I think we might as well. Um, we're we're skipping ahead, but I think we might as well just focus on this point uh, for a second, and we'll, we can move on to the other WoW creations later. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so one of the big big revelations of this this game is that Simon Jarrett 
um, the, the brain scan you had at the beginning, you are a copy of that brain scan that the WoW has um, you know, uploaded into a black box uh, attached to a dead corpse inside a diving <laughs> suit. And you are, in fact, no different from any of the robots mm-hmm. that think they're human all around the Pathos 2. Um, and I feel like the, the, this is so important for your perspective on what's going on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you get a real feeling of how human Simon Jarrett... Like, you, you're convinced that he's a person. Mm-hmm. And thus, if you're convinced that your player character is a person, you have no choice but to accept that every single yeah. one of these mm-hmm. um, robots that you encounter is also a person. Mm-hmm. You can't not yeah. view them that way. And back way. to my previous point earlier, and I, and I think you know, this is where, why it took so me, me so long to get for those uh, original actions to get under my skin, is that actually I, I saw those people as um, almost like a puzzle element, that I didn't want to kill them and I wanted to get through the door, but you know, either I would have to take power away and make that choice, and, and clearly it was mm-hmm. a, you know, an, a yes or no choice, but Really, mm-hmm. it was only a well. You need to do this, so you know these are the consequences, and you should feel for this. And you know, of course, I was slightly upset by what I was having to do, but it mm-hmm. didn't really, really dawn on me until I was put under the, the same um, scenario yeah. to myself. And then it was like, oh, that person I tortured earlier—they really would have been just looking at me through my eyes in a first-person perspective not seeing a you know a, a you know a, a robot's body but seeing their own body because the mind's you know having an alteration and i think that's that that is the point where it's oh okay this game is very very clever in its story also yeah it's this at this point it's really um, important to realize how simon himself ended up on this facility and and you know talking about him being in the computer but i love the fact that he was the basis of all this technology. So he was what mm-hmm. they refer to in the in the literature as the legacy stan, uh, yeah. scan. So he was the first one that they built all these copies of. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a really big thing we will talk about. You know, the fact that you know many copies of a single person and who you are. But um, yeah, so that that I mean that absolutely play plays how you ended up being a hundred years in the future mm-hmm. on Pathos Two at the very start of that game. Let, let's just go into all of the the um, <laughs> the copies okay. and stuff because I, I feel like that we we we're in it now. So yep. let's talk about it. Um, so that there's this concept that Catherine, who is a another mockingbird um, character that you uh, discover along the way, and then end up downloading into your uh, PDA. Um, and now I, I so I just had a revelation. By the, by the game's own logic, that means that's another different Catherine. Like the Every Catherine you... inside mm-hmm. the Mockingbird yeah. dies. Mm-hmm. Oh god! Right. So <laughs> let's explain this. There is a concept in the world of Soma called uh, called the coin flip. But the coin flip is actually a lie that Catherine tells Simon in order for him to um, rationalize what yeah. he's doing in his head. Essentially, what's happening is whenever you transfer a conscious Consciousness from one computer or machine into another, you are not cutting and pasting it, you are copying and pasting it. So the consciousness that was inside the original computer stays there, and then there is an exact duplicate of it in the new con- in the mm-hmm. new device. So um 
she created this concept called the coin flip. Like there's a 50-50 chance that you will end up in the new thing and there's a 50% chance that you'll be left behind as Mm -hmm. a way of getting Simon to do what she wants. But in actuality, there's no chance of the original consciousness ever transferring. They will be trapped. And there is this horrible situation um, later on in the game where you have to transfer your consciousness into a new diving suit because you are going into the abyss um, where you need um, a suit that can take the greater pressures of the abyss. Um, So you sit in the chair, you do the brain scan, um, you wake up inside the the new diving suit mm-hmm. and then you hear your own voice in the distance going <laughs> Catherine did it work did it work and then silence yeah. and you realize what's happened yeah. you are now playing a new version of Simon that has all the memories of the previous Simon but is a new being and then you're given the choice to either let this Simon kind of the the other Simon, the Simon that you've been playing as Mm -hmm. throughout the whole beginning of the game to just rot here and and go insane or to kill him. Yeah, and and the reason I find that so powerful is because it's not at the start of the game. It's, you know, it's a good four hours plus into Mm -hmm. the game. You know, you've got, it's like any protagonist you're playing. You've got used to that person's skin it's really weird to see it in that way playing the first person shooter you know you don't see the avatar but you inhabit the that avatar's skin right. you're looking through their mm-hmm. eyes so to suddenly go into machine and think okay here i am this section here and then to wake up on the other side of the room but looking back at yourself but realizing the person's eyes that i was using before i came out of this chamber is still sat in that chair and for them you know, if I hadn't gone four more seconds in this game, I'd still be there. But now I'm there. And what do I do with the person there? You know, my journey needs to continue. But that person there essentially is me. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want me to suddenly stop because that was me. And it it, it just <laughs> suddenly brings the whole thing yeah. around. And you start going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I understood exactly. the story. But now that I'm in the machine, that oh, and... You know, I'll admit I made that choice. I killed my previous self. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's the it's the only moral because thing what, to do. You know, I leave leave me. You know, I would. I don't know. Would I want to yeah. be sat there in the seat not knowing what's going on? Not Catherine suddenly disappearing, <laughs> well, being stuck yeah, in this. Yeah. To me, that's that's the really other part odd. of it. That's the other part of it is that like so you you the new you takes Catherine with you, yes. leaving <laughs> the old you completely alone. There's nothing left. Like the, Catherine yeah. was the only other person you had, well, other than the monsters, which we haven't really talked touched on yet. That so that would be all we were leaving the old Simon with. So like to me, this was honestly one of the easier choices, was just to hit the button, turn but them it, off. But and, it's not even that; it's the understanding of betrayal from the the person you think you had exactly the only yeah. friendship. Then the the reality right. that now you are tied yourself down here along yeah. with the other people. It's all those thoughts, and and of course the journey that you presume you're taking is yeah. to get off Pathos Two in the first place, and right. that almost old you is, you know, just dispensable. That's okay. <laughs> Things yeah. will continue on because my new yeah. consciousness is the continuing on of this journey, so that one doesn't matter. But really, yeah. when you break it back down from that, that's a horrendous decision to make because essentially yeah. you're killing a, another human life in quotation sure. marks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think this is where it's important that Soma is a video game because mm-hmm. 
the, this you know these themes have been explored you know thoroughly in uh, books and in movies, but mm-hmm. the the perspective that Soma gives you on this situation mm-hmm. of feeling like you're inside the head of Simon Jarrett, you've made all those choices before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You opened all those doors. You you ran away from all those monsters. You had all those you know bits of banter with Catherine. Mm-hmm. That was you, and now you're looking at yourself, and you're like, Jesus! Like all the, that experience, I'm just going to wipe away. But like, it's, just... like Sean says, it's weirdly the almost the easiest choice in the game. Because, yeah, it is. You know, you're just, <laughs> and that's you because you're because you've studied your own patterns. You know who you are. You know how the story is continuing. So you almost, but ultimately, it should be the hardest choice in the game. You're, you're killing right. yourself, yeah. but it yeah. becomes <laughs> the easiest one because you feel like okay, you have the mo- the most information, and you realise actually it's not journey's end. It is for that person, but for me, it's fine. I'm going to continue on. But yeah. yeah, equally, it's as you know the biggest decision you're probably actually making in the game. And this 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 whole um, concept of copies and paste manifests in, in other ways as well. There's Catherine herself, mm-hmm. where we, you know we briefly mentioned that she was a mockingbird and then transferred into your PDA. Um, and the implication is that the Catherine you were only you know spent seconds, you know minutes talking to is already dead, and yeah. now you've got this new version of Catherine. But also every time Catherine this this miniature version of Catherine that you're walking around with every time she's not connected to a power source she doesn't exist like she is flitting in and out of existence every time you plug her into uh, a power source and and the horror of going through that and she says it's like a weird sensation Um, she still has all her memories but she also knows that for a brief second she was effectively dead yeah um and and that's our effect. We, we should also talk go go into why there are so many scans yeah. of um, the people on the Pathos one, uh, Pathos two. Um, so because of um, the meteor hitting the Earth and and wiping out all of humanity, um, they're coming up with a plan. Um, to try and preserve something of human culture, of human existence, something to be left behind so that all of this wasn't a waste of time. And Catherine comes up with the concept of the Ark. Now, the Ark is a virtual world where they would transfer their scanned consciousness inside of and it's basically a paradise um, where they would live out the rest of their days and they would launch the ark into space with solar solar panels and the idea is in space where it's getting you know constant light from the sun it will essentially perpetually exist forever so this mini simulation of human existence will go on and just you know explore the stars and that's all that will be left of us so yeah the 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 existence of this arc and uh, their plan to upload their brain scans into um into it is the reason why you're finding all of these mockingbirds uh who believe they are uh crew members uh, scientists who worked on the pathos too but this also leads into a story element that becomes apparent as uh, you listen to audio logs and uh, read through emails etc etc is the um the idea that many of the um 
mem- uh, members of the Pathos Two, once they had their brain scan, they committed suicide <laughs> immediately mm-hmm. after because they bought into this this notion of continuing on yeah. into. Uh, the Ark, as as if the Ark is some kind of afterlife that they were going to. Again, not f- not understanding what you know, Catherine was trying to say um, that you know this isn't this isn't copy and paste. This is this is this is sorry. This isn't cut and paste. This is copy and paste. If you die here, you die. Yeah, you're that's done. it. Yeah. But so many people, I, and I under, the thing that's so great is that I understand the want for you yeah. to continue, like th- this, 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 um, this need for it, the arc to represent some kind of afterlife, mm-hmm. when really it's not like that. That's not you. That's not you. And uh, what Soma has done, which is massively frustrating for my life going forward, <laughs> but completely ruined the idea that you know, oh yeah, one day we'll be immortal because we could just you know transfer our brains into mm-hmm. a computer and we'll be no, because I still die. Like I still die, <laughs> yeah. and some other me gets to continue existing yeah. forever. That's not good yeah. enough. <laughs> I want to be immortal. I God the, damn it. Um, <laughs> the problem is that that doesn't that, you know on the brochure that doesn't sell the uh, the dream very well, does it? It's like, well, <laughs> no, it doesn't. And and actually, when you you start to realise that, I I found it quite funny because. Um, once I realised that the true nature of it's, you know, copy and paste rather than cut and paste, it it does bring up that as well. Then why am I bothering? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. is is this for me? Is this for the you know humanity? Like, hu- as humanity as I know it doesn't exist anymore. So even if it's a, a brain scan of me, I don't know that person. It's like giving you know, giving I don't know, just giving something of me to somebody, but without any of the benefits back to me again that sounds really like <laughs> i'm really that vain and, and that's not that <laughs> at all but it you know it comes across when you, you start to realize actually you know they can they can donor the, their their consciousness there but ultimately to them it's it, it doesn't solve anything like they're still stuck down in the bottom of the uh, the ocean and you know that is something that i think the story does really well it starts to play with that well once these people have been scanned and they they feel like okay well hang on a minute i'm still here but apparently i'm going to go and live in a you know a, a beautiful life somewhere else on a spaceship but but what about me what about number 1 here i'm i'm losing out how's this fair and your brain starts to, to deteriorate to the point of well hang on <laughs> there is no hope and apparently you know another version of me has all the hope but what is that hope anyway if it's not something that anyone's ever going to see. But then actually playing as Simon in the game, like that moment you've been copied over to the new body, it's like, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, I still feel like I'm a conscious person and maybe the next person will be conscious enough to enjoy this afterlife, however it may pan out. So then you start to feel like, hang on, you know, that, that whole idea that i had before which is well you know it doesn't benefit anyone now once i've been copied once i completely buy into the fact that it benefits me just not me so brilliantly yeah. done it, it 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 is it is brilliant because it simultaneously forces you to accept that these things are living creatures they are <laughs> yep. people mm-hmm. they're persons but also accept that like they're you not. don't 
they're not they're not you and it's just <laughs> so a brilliant odd. brilliant yeah. conceit mm-hmm. and then th- this leads into um and i think we need to cover this now um for me easily the most uh, effective piece of horror um in the entire game which is the puzzle yep. the brandon wan puzzle where you need to get you know security information off of him and you're just loading up the simulation of Brandon Wan in this room. He's waking up, basically waking up from a brain scan, and you're seeing it on your mo- on this monitor. And the idea is that you have you simultaneously have to hide the fact that this is a simulation from him because the computer actually can't handle him reaching a certain emotional state. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if it if he goes too wild and like in, you know insane with the revelation that he's just in a simulation and none of this is real, the the simulation just stops and he dies. And you have to load him load him up again and try again. And you try all these different thing so you put him on a beach and he's like no he immediately doesn't accept it it's like this is horrifying and and then he dies you you know change up things you introduce him to characters he may know you eventually kind of introduce him to his girlfriend um later on and eventually you get that right combination of things that eventually convinces him to hand over the information and then you can go on your merry way but in the meantime you have (laughs) killed him (laughs) countless times and this 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 brain scan is no different than you you are exactly the mm-hmm. same kind of brain scan so you have to live with the fact that you have tortured this soul for a door code yeah <laughs> for a door code that's that's what you've done and this is the moment that kind of right yeah soma all-time classic for me because this this is one of the most memorable pieces of horror storytelling that i've ever bore witness to in a video game yeah i I almost kind of wish i almost kind of wish they went a little bit further and so like when he you know quote unquote dies the screen just kind of goes black part of me kind of wishes you saw him like his his body just shut off and fall just to just to kind of dig that knife a little deeper to show exactly how much you're you're constantly killing this person it wouldn't make sense because it's all just a simulation i know but uh it's just it was just a really uh grim thought that i had while going through this already incredibly grim uh puzzle and i also like that it shows you just how easily it is easy it is for Catherine to be this manipulative because mm-hmm. she's going about yeah. it like as as this is trust like this is nothing this is a this is a simulation. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll even play his girlfriend. Like, like it's just for her. It's it's, it's nothing. But you're you're as you're saying. You're just you're just switching this on and off switch on this guy's life, and it's just it's completely insane. Well, I think from you know, yeah. Catherine is the is the only one that's a hundred percent brought into the arc. I feel like everybody else is living Catherine's dream. Like, you know, sure, this is yeah. what she sees for humanity. It's her project. Yeah. Her yeah. way of, of giving just the smallest amount of humanity somehow keeping, even if it's just a, our conscious self alive. And I think for everybody else, they buy into a dream and then realize it's a living nightmare. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, to that point of the scene, what's weird about that is because it's off a monitor and it's an, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, camera pan third person out like it it almost feels like it is just you know a video game it just feels like okay yep. you're you're mm-hmm. doing you're just doing a riddle like well you you need further information it's almost like you know la noir it's just it's <laughs> like you know, I, okay i need to go off and at one point 
you exhaust all your options and you're left cafuddled and you you wander off into you know more a further room and actually you know find about his girlfriend invade his space like, and everything yeah, yeah. Invade, like find out who this person is and then you know use the manipulation tools at your hand then to to manipulate him to giving you this answer just by calming him down but even Catherine at the end then she kind of just breaks the illusion for for him right at the end which mm-hmm. is yeah. it's just <laughs> yeah. it, you're like well what there was no need for that but then yeah. once again if you <laughs> yeah. take away that it's not just you know it's not just a screen playing just a conversation over and over again it's you back in that chair that you've yeah. experienced yeah. and realize that you're waking up in that universe each time thinking well you know why am i still on the ship or why am i in so is the ark a beach why okay no, but there's no one else here so am i going to live my you know life on this beach and it, it's just breaking down that puzzle and actually looking through the screen a bit deeper than just seeing it as a third person um, adventure game on the screen at that point <laughs> so i think it's time we talk about the other half of the wow's kind of experimentation with the phrase preserve human life um so with the mockingbirds we have encountered the interpretation of preserving human consciousness so the mind is still present but not the body then we have um what uh, it believes is the other form of preserving human life which is simply keeping the you know human flesh alive um we're first introduced to this when we encounter a woman who is be- basically engulfed by the structure gel and the wow in an improvised life support machine with artificial lungs kind of pumping oxygen into her. And she basically screams, like, it won't let us die. <laughs> it won't let anyone die. And there's this horror. She can't move. She can't do anything. She's conscious. She's aware of everything around her. She would be dead. She would <laughs> be a corpse if it wasn't for the wow. But she's still alive. But there's almost no point to her being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you're then given a choice of kind of unplugging her, much mm-hmm. like you do with the uh, the mockingbirds. Um, that's that's an important mirror image mm-hmm. i think just to just to kind of uh, you know establish that these two people are not that dissimilar yeah. what you're doing is functionally exactly the same but um there are two cables if you um if you unplug both the life support system shuts down and she dies if you unplug one she's in considerable pain mm. and her eyes kind of roll back into her into her head and you basically have to decide is it better to kill her or is it better to leave her in this vegetable state um and uh i i think it's it was an e- another easy choice i yeah, think yeah. she she was she was begging for death at that point and uh, i i think it was the only moral thing to do but that was a horrifying in- yeah. image in of itself how do you guys feel about that particular moment you know, again, I, uh, it was an easy choice. I say now it was an easy choice, but I kind of it makes me wonder what I would do if I if that was like if this was real life. If I was really in that situation again, kind of how I mentioned earlier with with the last human. It's just like <laughs> I know that that that's the right call, but I I don't know. Like what what if you know what if she, I left her there and some some other Simon Jarrett came along that had the more knowledge of of how to save this person or or I don't know. You know, it's just such a 
it's such a baffling thing and in a way that kind of reflects you know so much about real world you know uh uh i don't want to get too deep or whatever pro-life <laughs> pro-choice kind of stuff you know like it's just so many and it's just fascinating that a game would make me even begin to start thinking about stuff like that you know going from when i was younger and used to play mario and now here i am discussing consciousness and <laughs> pulling the plug on people and stuff it's just yeah and also it's um when you start thinking outside of the box it's a futile thing from the whale's point of view anyway because okay human flesh you know she's she's there and even mm-hmm. if it is feeding her oh no i suppose it's repairing her but I, I wouldn't imagine that it could you know take away the the date you know the age of time and her getting old eventually and succumbing of her illnesses but then i guess you know the fact that it has healing it forms that it has healing capabilities of keeping her going on alive that maybe it could just keep her for an eternity sat there until the base itself falls apart which it can't because the whale's still there i mean that's so yeah i mean <laughs> um i mean i pulled the plug because i felt sympathy for her and essentially she asked me to do so and um yeah we've had this conversation recently in life is strange which is is coming mm, up um, yeah. again but you know um yeah so i pulled the plug but it's once again a, a fascinating choice but i'm not sure you, you're on with all the knowledge of the you know she's one of the very final people alive even if she is mm-hmm. in a very odd state yeah, and and then we come on to um, possibly the m- most controversial element uh, of Soma, um, which is the monsters that are created mm-hmm. when the uh, when the WoW essentially resurrects uh, cadavers. Um, so the the flesh is alive, but there's no mind there, and essentially these creatures are almost acting on animal instinct and start attacking and killing anyone they encounter. Um, I want to uh, kind of start off um, this this part of the conversation with a post from the forum, just because um, this particular forumite uh, forumite um, holds a different opinion than I think the three of us will mm. have. Mm-hmm. This is from Mark Hogg. As a horror game. Hmm. I mean, Soma's creepy atmosphere is great, and I love the art direction. When I was on the hell-like bottom of the ocean, I felt lonelier and more vulnerable than I've ever felt in a video game. When I was crawling through the tentacly tunnels, reminiscent of H.R. Giger's art, I audibly sighed in awe. That's an interesting turn of phrase. (laughs) Uh, Sighed in awe of the uh, hard work it must have taken to create the world of Soma. But the monster segments... Ugh, these often put me on the verge of abandoning the game, interrupting my existential explorations for some tedious game of hide-and-seek really put a dent in my experience. Imagine gone home with a ghost chasing you throughout the house, or my dinner with Andre with shootouts <laughs> and a car chase. Of course, I get the friction or probably had to, had to meet some horror expectations after a game like Amnesia, but boy, I can't help but wonder what an amazing piece of art Soma would be were it just me, the abandoned subnautical stations, and my conversations with Catherine. Now, I felt it was important to read that out because this actually represents a popular yeah. perspective on, on the monsters, that none of us share from <laughs> what I can gather. Um, we're, I, I'm uh, I'm a pretty big fan of the monsters mm-hmm. um, throughout this game. Um, I will say that I think Amnesia is a more successful 
um, example of this style of horror. I think there's lots sure. of um, more successful examples. Yeah, I, I mean, even like Alien Isolation is a more successful version of this as well. Yeah, Outlast, um, yeah, the the kind of yeah. <laughs> the hunted versus the yeah. hunter. Yeah, it, I mean that's it's something that's been around yeah. for ages now. Yeah, we should we should clarify that that the gameplay part of this is, as you're saying in these other types of games, it's a hide and seek cat yeah. and mouse kind of thing yes. where, where you have no option of, of combat against these monsters whatsoever yeah so this this isn't resident evil style right, yeah. uh, survival horror where you're managing resources to take out these creatures it is a simple case of avoid or get killed um and and it plays very very similarly to Amnesia, mm-hmm. um, admittedly with fewer options in terms of yeah. hiding. You can't you know go into cupboards. You can't right, yeah. uh, go into drawers or uh, drawers. Go into drawers. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. doors to hide behind yeah. or what have you. But much like Alien Isolation has those as well. It is a simple case of hiding under tables and hiding under corners, uh, hiding o- uh, around corners. And um, for what it is, I I think it's fine. Mechanically, it's fine. What where it's successful is just the art direction, sound design, and what it does to your perception. Um, so whenever one of these creatures comes around, um, your vision starts to blur and and glitch out, and you hear the screams of the creature as it stomps towards you. And that was effective. It was. Mm-hmm. It was scary for yeah. me, at least. Absolutely. Well, well I mean, can I just start off by saying I don't think that you know anybody's opinion on that is actually wrong because I think the the moment you start playing this game, well, for me anyway, um, from the very beginning of you know waking up in the the apartment to you know almost all the way through, it does feel it does have essence of a walking simulator game. Um, by that I mean there's lots of stuff you can pick up. There's lots of literature you can look at and read. You know the story is told for you by items within the environment rather than you know a narrator of any kind. Um, and it does that stuff really well, almost best in class. Um, it's, it's fair to say. So I think if if you just absolutely mechanically took those monsters and threw them to one side, this game would work as a walking simulator. Yes, I don't think we're we're going to disagree with that. So I can see where any of these people come from, but ultimately that isn't the game that um, fictional games wanted to make. They wanted to make a horror game with walking, you know, style elements built into it. And I don't think they've mastered, even from their previous work, I don't think they've mastered the horror element um, mechanically as well because I think you notice there's a lot of AI patterns in this. So it's fairly simplified. It's almost like they want you to, you know, enjoy the story and they don't want to put the player off for people that aren't accustomed to horror games. It's almost like my first X of this style of game, which is, (laughs) yeah, but it doesn't make it any less tense. Now, you know, we can talk about James here. um, Okay. Yes. (laughs) Who was meant to be on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, James was meant to be on the show and uh, unfortunately had to drop out just because the game was essentially too horrifying for him to deal with. Um, Now, I I think an important part of this is that we mentioned that he turned on um, what has been called the wuss mode mod uh, on the PC version. (laughs) 
you can tell it's a mod because there's no way the developer would be saying yeah. it was that. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially what this mod does is it turns off the aggressive behavior of the monsters. So they still wander about, they still oh. make all their noises, <laughs> they still um, behave as they would normally if you weren't in the environment. And they still, and this is the important bit, when you look directly at them, they still, still affect oh, your God. perception, they still screw with your vision. Do they attack the you at only all? No, well, there are scripted moments where, for example, yeah. the resurrected corpse of Terry Anchors is scripted to attack mm-hmm. you at a certain point mm-hmm. because you're meant to come off this giant fleshy wall. But unless it's scripted, they will they will not attack you whatsoever. Now, James had this on because even so, with it off, he was having a terrible time getting through. He turned this on. And he was still having an yeah. awful time with the game. And I think that speaks to just how effective mm-hmm. the art direction and the use of um, perception-altering glitches on the screen and the way the monsters affect your vision, how disorientating and stressful that still is, even when there's no threat of death. What? I mean, what's really sad is that, you know, knowing James and knowing his, his love of the walking simulators-type games... I think there's such a, an interesting story to be told here, and I, one that he would absolutely love by seeing the content it has to offer. And in that respect, I'm actually really sad that he's not being able to get past the horror elements. And I, and I don't think he's alone. I think it's easy no. to stand here and be macho yeah. and go, oh, it's like my first horror scene. <laughs> it's, it's not. I think yeah. it does a really good job, much like Alien Isolation does with the use of sound, the use of light, um, mm-hmm. maybe not quite so the use of scripting because in isolation you feel like you're being hunted rather than just trying to avoid. Sure, um, yeah. And this got me thinking about my own experience with these games because you know I, I re- honestly bounced off Amnesia and I, I bounced off Outlast, um, but I absolutely adored Alien Isolation. Um, I adored this game. Um, and I think what it came down to me was actually it's the it's the setting that I get into. It's yeah. the yes. it's the location, it's the locale of where I am, and my want to see how this whole you know place fits together, the people in here, and then my willingness to just contain my my uh, anxiety around these creatures. Now, amnesia doesn't do that for me because it's a dark just foreboding building same as um outlast it's just i don't enjoy being stuck in a mental asylum it's like there's nothing there for me to to lock onto like i didn't want to be there in the first place (laughs) so it took it's taken me a little while to actually kind of break down my own feelings of well why do some of these games because this is a brilliant game to me and and alienization where we did that show you know that fell into my top 10 games of all time i absolutely Mm. fell in love with it but I'm traditionally not a horror fan, yet I love, you know, um, Silent Hill and Resident Evil and stuff like mm. that. It's really odd, but other ones I bounce off. Now, you know, I I appreciated the horror element of this and I, for two reasons. One, because I had some really, really kind of awesome moments of hiding from the beast and feeling yeah, like I was about to yeah. be detected any second. Um, and two, I think it's really important to have tension followed by a release and mm-hmm. the release um in this scenario is you know rummaging through people's items still kind of like a little bit of music in the background thinking well anything could come into this room oh no i'm mm-hmm. in a safe place if it's tension all the time like it is in outlast and all those games then it maybe it gets a bit too much and i i bounce off it but if it's actually tension release tension release i feel like the payoffs a lot more 
my story about a couple of the moments I absolutely adored was I remember you have to set a lift in motion. Um, and I had to break a window and of course that created you know noise. So the beast was you know chasing me around this thing and I was like a cat and mouse. And I had this moment when I realized I had to go, you know, after, you know, 10 minutes of messing around, I realized I had to go and scan this key in a building you know, across the way. And I spent, well, anyone who listened to the Adelation show, I, I spent ages absolutely trying to perfect my craft of not actually being caught. And I spent ages getting to this building, um, opening the door, realizing the beast was there, shut the door and thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Backed into a corner, the door opened. <laughs> and yeah. the moment, and my vision's all a mess because it's, you know, it's messing around with you. It came in and I'm just sat there dumbstruck with all the music and sound. And I'm going, oh my God. I've just spent 10 minutes, you know, formulating this plan. I'm about to be cool. And he turns the opposite way and goes back out the door. And, you know, my heart is pounding. Now, for people that are saying, ah, whatever, it's not particularly a horror game, whatever. For me, at that present moment, it was. Where I think it maybe fails at, and what I learned with Alien Isolation, actually, towards the end, which we all did, is actually being caught by the monster isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll be, yeah. you, you end up checkpoint hunting and this is exactly the same as we talked about this on, on the AI station show Josh didn't we it's once you hit that save point is you must have this release of okay it's fine now like if I <laughs> I won't mm-hmm. lose 10 minutes of of work I can come back to there so yeah I think yeah for me I, I like the horror elements because it's this kind of tense and release yeah yeah and for me I, I appreciate that it just changes up the gameplay a little bit like you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of, I, mean, I know there's no real term for it, but you've already said it a bunch of times, walking simulators. Like we started this volume off, I was waxing lyrical about uh, everybody's gone to the rapture. Like I love those kinds of games, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I might have gotten a little, I wouldn't want to know about bored, but I, I kind of felt like if the game had no threat at any point, I might've gotten a little, it might've just felt monotone, I guess. Cause there's no, there's no real shift in, in the storytelling or in the in the mood i guess but with these monster sections and there's only like what a handful of them like five maybe four or five sequences where there's a monster in there um but i I mean and i was sitting there playing it with my fiance like we were both just absolutely terrified and when we got caught (laughs) we were screaming like you know it's just it was a nice change of pace and 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 some moments were just like like some of the most terrifying moments I've had, like that that one that specific monster you're talking about, where you're trying to get the lift. Like that, I remember that scene when I got to that scene because I was playing it again this past week for for the show. Um, I was like, oh god, here we go. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember this perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like the design of it too. But I I do agree that I think the flaw here is that there's no punishment for death. Like it's it's not even death really. It it, it, it almost seems like the monster kind of walks up and just knocks you out. And then you just you get yeah. back, back up right where you were, and I know you can die in other sections. Like I accidentally fell off, uh, fell off into the reef at one point, and and it actually gave me a you died screen. Yeah, um, you can. You get hit a couple of times. You can die. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, I, see, I've only ever gotten hit like once or twice, and then I've managed to find my way through. So I never was killed by him. But just I kind of I kind of wonder if it would have been maybe a little bit more effective if if you did just straight up die and had to start maybe not too far back, but you know some kind of. Checkpoint. Yeah, I don't know. it didn't need it didn't need to be as punishing as Alien no. Isolation oh, chose to yeah. be, but <laughs> yeah. um, uh, just having death have some kind of weight because um, it really didn't feel like it had much weight here. Um, 
that so my my kind of defense here is similar to your like your defense Sean is I think they they add some gameplay variety mm-hmm. that's needed mm-hmm. but also I think they're in terms of the the theming of mm-hmm. of the story and and of the game like they're the other half yeah, like that yeah. you've got the mind and you've got the fle- the body you know the flesh and the body and the you know the the moral here is that no the flesh is not you like the, the you know your cells your just matter is not the sum total sum total of who you are there's something deeper um that the robots and and the mockingbirds and all of that have within them um and you know especially you know some of the creatures like the the flesher um who is the creature with basically like a light bulb head um the 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 imagery of that is really striking and (laughs) and i love the concept of you know staring at it too long you know makes it you know teleport towards you Mm -hmm. that was really striking um but also there is a moment in this game that is truly terrifying in a different way than the the Brandon puzzle, but equally kind of no. Uh, so Br- the Brandon puzzle is scary in a more kind of the concept, mm, the, the idea of it stay, yeah. stays with you, yeah. and the more you think about it, the more horrifying it becomes. But in a purely you know you know fight or flight survival type scary, um, the sequence in the abyss yeah. when you're in your uh, <laughs> you're in your deep uh, diving yeah. suit and you're traversing the abyss going from light light to light yeah. first of I all you, of you have first. the <laughs> yeah yeah so first of all right so it's well do- it's well documented on Kane and Rinse and and and, yeah. and yeah. in any of our forums Life. or social media yeah. that uh, I am terrified of creatures in water that want to eat me (laughs) specifically sharks but anything of that ilk Mm -hmm. is gonna terrify me so there's this whole sequence where (laughs) the the wow has uh, uh, has decided to play around with some deadly fish and other creatures (laughs) in the abyss and so you're running from light to light, trying to avoid viper fish and angler fish. Now the angler fish is particularly nightmarish because <laughs> up until that sequence, it trained you to run towards lights <laughs> yeah. to avoid the viper fish, and then you run towards the angler fish's light, thinking yeah. it's you know another post, and then you're met with this horrifying <laughs> jaw. And I basically pooed myself uh, <laughs> running away from this thing um, as it chased behind yeah. me and then you have the leviathan um which is this giant it looks like a mixture between a squid and some kind of giant fish Ew. and <laughs> this thing is terrifying mm. as it kind of looms like it almost comes in and out of view as the lighting in this section is so good because you get a feeling that there is just utter blackness yep. beyond these lights mm-hmm. and this thing is coming in and out of the light and you get a sense like you do kind of get it in full view at certain points but that that perspective of seeing it come into the light and then go back into the blackness of the abyss 
and it's massive creature and it makes this like terrifying noise and you you have to run away from it and hide in shelter and like it was triggering every kind of <laughs> horror reaction that I have whenever I see a shark on screen mm-hmm. or have to avoid a shark it was evoking that same fear in me and yeah if for pure kind of um, adrenaline inducing fear this was the highlight for me also um seeing this from a you know a more analytical point of view the fact that you are put in situations where you're trying to defend your life does it not then make the payoff at the end that much more um emotional because you know as far as we know you reckon you are just a, a memory scanner you know a construct of a machine at this point yet you you fight your way through to get to the end of that game i think if it had just been a case of you're picking up documents, looking at stuff, realizing what happened on this on this place, and then moving through, and then essentially, you know, the end happens, and you're looking and go, oh, okay. The fact that I really feel like I've inhabited that body because I'm doing these actions, I'm defending myself, I'm sneaking past these things, I'm having tension and fear because it's all mind-based, it's not body-based at that point, but it's still in the mind, makes me feel like I inhabit that character. And I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be there in some degree by you know, seeing other people's stories, because I, I felt that certainly you know, in Everybody's Gone to Rapture, etc. But I, I think that like, um, having the monsters does actually have its own payoff, and I don't think it's just they put it in there because it was their, their trope of what they do in their games. I feel, I feel like it's a better game for it. But I, I am really sympathetic to the people that don't get to see the story because they're not horror fans. And I mean, there's a, lo- a lot of people that I know personally that are not horror fans in any way, shape or form. So this mm-hmm. would be terror for them. Yeah. <laughs> not just, you know, yeah. it's okay having people, you know, on the forum or, you know, free word reviews saying, Psh, not horror. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, and that doesn't solve anything because yeah. there's lots of people out there where this game really is effective in that degree yeah and and i remember when it came out um there was a lot of response from like people so amnesia was such a huge thing of course um Mm. and so like everybody was going into soma thinking this is going to be the new amnesia we're going to see a whole bunch of reaction videos online of people freaking out like you know and um but it's clever in that though yeah i agree that's the thing like and i kind of wish that if if they i don't i think they've announced whatever they're doing next but they've been too they're being candid about it um but if they do another horror experience i would like to see some kind of change in their in their action i guess in in their in their horror sections because now we're like what are they four or five games deep with the penumbra series and the amnesia mm-hmm. and, and this one now so and it's all kind of been similar and this one even less so uh, and as far as gameplay mechanics go so I, I would like to see some kind of evolution of their um mechanics next time to where maybe it, it might even be a little bit more palatable for people who uh, who are like james who just can't can't handle it you know it's too much so right so um the wow um we end up meeting um a character called um uh dr ross 
who is another example of these um, these monsters that have been created by the WoW. Um, but he has consciousness. He's aware. He actually talks to you. He's able to communicate. And he asks you, Simon, um, essentially to destroy the WoW. So part of the process of you, um, you know, constructing this new body for yourself that we've mentioned earlier and uh, going into the, you know, deep, uh, deep sea ocean um, diving suit um, is that you need some structure gel. And he asked you to get a specific kind of structure gel that was developed um, to defeat the wow to essentially poison it um so you get that um you get that structure gel you use it to create your new body and then later on you you meet ross again and he's telling he diverts your path um to site alpha where the wow's heart exists um and his argument is that look if we let this thing continue to exist it is going to torture humanity for the rest of eternity. It's going to keep resurrecting these corpses and creating these uh, mutated monsters. It's going to keep uploading human consciousnesses into these mockingbird robots or equivalents of that and have them slowly go insane or uh, worse, just, you know become lonely and, and just trapped underneath the ocean this this thing in its attempt to preserve human life is instead kind of creating a perpetual hell for humanity to exist in we need to kill it so you go to the wow and you have this choice you can run away uh, just leave it as it is or you can poison it mm-hmm. um how how did you go because it kind of felt like this moment where you destroy the wow hmm. was kind of we were you know tying up any kind of loose yeah, ends that were left yeah. to the plot and it cut to me it kind of felt unnecessary i don't know how you guys felt yeah i would agree it, it felt like much like the beginning it was it was a moment that they were like oh okay we, we gotta we gotta put this in here to to as you say, wrap up the loose end. And the one thing um, that does stick with me about this this sequence is, um, so we haven't talked about it, but throughout the game, if you get injured, there's these little pods that you can touch. And um, it's really disturbing imagery. Uh, it's, it's very human and organic. And I'm trying to dance around the idea that it looks like a butthole. It's Geiger. Yeah. yeah, it's Geiger, exactly. There you go. It's very it's very Geiger in spirit. And this one, more than the rest of them, is just this giant hole that you have to just slam your fist into. And and I I couldn't not it kinda just took me out, just the way it looked. It just seemed a bit a kinda silly. And and on top of that, the sequence itself was a lot more amped up i guess and felt like almost like an action sequence like this the the sound effects were like like really loud and and then the floor explodes at one point because the thing comes through and eats johan and and i don't know it just it's kind of like and then and then it's over and then you just keep going and it just it's i feel like it's a necessary moment as far as like the story goes because that didn't that didn't kind of needed to be wrapped up (sighs) but i i don't know i'm just kind of I could do without it, I guess. I just felt like it turned the wow, which was this kind of really interesting sci-fi concept. Um, and and I loved how kind of 
innocent the WoW's motivations mm-hmm. were compared to what it was actually That's doing. That's almost what makes it and scary, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It was just following a directive. Yeah, mm. yeah it's not malevolent. Mm-hmm. It's no. not. It's not even. In, it's not intelligent enough to be intentionally cruel. Mm-hmm. Like it's just following. It's just a simple, very simple AI program that happens to wield uh, extraordinary power. Mm-hmm. And that was that. That idea in of itself was enough. And I feel like this moment turned it into a final boss. Yeah, I guess. And right, yeah. it didn't. It didn't need to. Like I don't need this. This fret, this plot thread to be resolved. Mm. I am happy to just go on, to go on, go on with the arc storyline and have the WoW just carry on torturing humanity <laughs> for well, the rest I, I mean, of I existence. Think the the excuse for it to happen is that the WoW recognizes you as the threat to humanity rather than the savior of humanity. Mm. Uh, you know, you've been going around, you know, not essentially destroying it, but you unplug in, unplug in humanity. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if you had made every one of those conscious decisions not to unplug the person and then not to have that confrontation because the world mm. just sees you as a, a thing on the, you know, on the base rather than, you know, a threat to humanity. I understand the concept, but I, I can't help but just agree with you, Josh. If it, it was like it, they tried to turn it into something more than it was and actually by less is more approach would have been uh, a simpler solution in this. Um, and that's not, I mean, that wasn't the thing that was driving me in the story, um, and it felt like an action that was just something that needed to be done to progress the story, rather than something that was a conscious um, choice and decision on my part. It's just like, okay, well, fine, yeah, I'm being attacked here, um, rather than you know what I was trying to do, which was just get this satellite <laughs> launched. So, we've defeated the WoW. Um, your objective, Catherine and Simon's objective, um, is to find the Ark upload their both of their consciousnesses onto the ark and then launch it into space in the, uh, using this space gun which at first I thought was ridiculous and then actually there's some law that explains it where I'm like okay that's fine but it's it's kind of a cool imagery that they just they're literally shooting satellites up into space <laughs> um, is quite cool yeah. but yes the the plan is to get the ark loaded up into this space cannon and launch it into space with your consciousnesses um you find the ark with um uh, sarah who we talked about before the last living human Mm -hmm. you make that devastating choice and then you take the ark on its way um so you're you're strapped into the chair that you know you're being scanned and you see this progress bar of you and Catherine. you see Catherine's progress bar go all the way and by the (laughs) way because of course, once you're uploaded, you can't launch the launch that this is a bit of trickery on Catherine's part because mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, once we're uploaded, we won't be able to uh, launch the the you know launch the satellite into space. So we need to start the launch sequence while we're being uploaded <laughs> so that we know it launches once we're uploaded. So you have these bars, you know, filling up while also this countdown is going down and you get this like it for a moment you're like oh no simon's not going to get uploaded he's going to get left behind <laughs> and the bar fills up the cannon you know launches the satellite into space and you're like yeah oh wait i'm still here <laughs> <laughs> and the revelation um and 
you when you think about it, it it's so obvious because yep. they they told you what yep. the conclusion was going to be earlier yep. with the body switch. It's the coin flip scenario all over again. Mm-hmm. But Simon still didn't grasp it and. Catherine even gets frustrated with it, even though I Catherine, told you like, this, Simon. Cath- <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretending like she's made this clear, but Catherine has not made yeah, this clear. Specifically she has deliberately been yeah. vague, mm-hmm. vague about it in order to manipulate him. Yep. They are not uploaded. A version of them right. is uploaded onto the Ark, and those versions are up in space now, living it up, and they are left in the abyss to die alone. So this is where again. It's another great example of of being a video game is what makes this such an effective story because, as you said earlier, we saw this already, but we saw it from the opposite point of view. So we saw it in the first time where you were the new consciousness, and now we're seeing it on the other side of the more terrifying idea that you're the old, you're still in the old consciousness now, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's something that can be as effectively portrayed in a film or in a maybe in a book i don't know but or you know any kind of visual media um so yeah I, I, oh, man this is such a powerful sequence yeah I mean, you've lived his life i mean mm-hmm. that, i mean essentially i mean you've seen it from the very start as you as you know what scary is that as a as simon is the basis of all uh, of, the, of the scans and ai his life has been lived multiple times he's been uploaded he's been destroyed and uploaded and destroyed because he's the very base of a program the only reason he's left in this, you know, how, well, the only reason he's ended up on this base in the first place is that he's absolutely just part of the code, um, mm-hmm. and um, the WoW is just trying to find anything left in that code for human humanity to exist. So, although it's a power, I mean, it's a super powerful moment, but it's ridiculous that it is so powerful because Simon has been messed around with so much of his entire life. But each time, it's clearly just been deleted. Like, he doesn't have any memories of, of what's happened to him there. So does any of that stuff count? Does any of that stuff matter? You've yeah. previously just done it to yourself, but your conscience is, has continued, which is slightly different. It just brings up so many of those things, which you already knew. But the mm-hmm. physical, hang on a minute, I've spent the last eight hours getting myself to the Ark. I'm meant to be on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing here, not on that. And yeah, yeah it's just, it's just like, it's this, I don't know, like a tsunami wave that just <laughs> comes through and wipes the player out. It's like, oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's, like, like, like Sean said, I think this is why it's so important that, that it's a video game mm-hmm. because there's knowing and then there's knowing mm-hmm. <laughs> what what's happening, really, really relating and putting yourself in that position. Spectating versus like, participating. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, you, you feel that gut punch with, with a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And this is followed by, so, like, you know, Simon at this point completely loses it. And the voice actor, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, delivers a hell of a performance. <laughs> yeah. You are completely sold on his anger, mm-hmm. his frustration, and his sadness at this situation. He just he just unloads on Catherine. Yeah. Like, you lied to me, how dare you? And he's so furious. And then Catherine bites back equally. Like, mm-hmm. I can't I can't account for your ignorance, blah blah. But she gets so so angry 
that she short circuits and dies. Yeah, yeah. And Simon's left totally <laughs> alone and just like whispering to, you know, what is now the corpse yeah, of Catherine. Like, back. Catherine, please yeah. come back. Please. And it's and then the credits start rolling. Yep. Now this isn't quite the complete ending, but at that point, like if it had ended there, that still would have been a great ending. Yeah. Um what happens after the credits is then we take on the perspective of the new consciousness of of Simon inside the Ark. And you get to walk through um, what is, you know, admittedly a very beautiful landscape. There's trees, there's streams, um, and then you see Catherine in the distance and it's like, yeah, we did it. And then the camera pans back and you see this lonely satellite um, just exiting the orbit of Earth that looks like a hellscape. Um, and then it just drifts off into the abyss. And, like, some people have criticised the second ending as, like, ending on a sweeter note. And I just... I cannot see that. It is so... It, it First of all, it's tainted by the ending we've seen before the credits. Um, this is bittersweet at best but also this is such a tiny minuscule victory in the grand scheme hu the human race is just a dream mm -hmm. at this mm -hmm. point like it's a simulation it's a on now. a computer yeah. yeah and that's so sad <laughs> like like simon and Catherine may be happy in this fantasy landscape but like as an observer, it's like this is pathetic. But that isn't, yeah. like, isn't this that, is what humanity's resorted to? Isn't that to? the issue, though? Isn't it? I mean, you you can bring it back down to our own humanity. Yeah, we don't know that we're not in a simulation. I know that exactly. yeah. it's a trope, right? It's been done in literature so many times and in films, but it ultimately it does come back down to if we didn't know we we're in a simulation, then you know what would be the issue? But then I would argue for them is well their consciousness do know that they're in a simulation because they've gone through these experiences, at least Catherine and, and well, and you know, when you've been loading people from the arc um, design, they know that they've, they've been uploaded to this thing. So are they going to live a life yeah. that is a complete lie? Like how is their life going to lead? Are they, can, can they have children? You know, is their existence just going to be them at the state that they were scanned at their age? Forever. And, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't go so. into those depths, of course, but, it's still a fascinating to draw back and mm -hmm. go, okay, well, I've seen even just the smallest snapshot of what's yeah. inside the Ark. And in some respects, it's just as horrifying as the place that I've just left. But also, it could be beautiful. I guess yeah. we'll never know. And it's also it could be just as real. Like this whole, mm -hmm. this entire game you're playing as could a have been a <laughs> uploaded... Exactly. And you're oh, an God. uploaded consciousness. And it's just... That whole time was just as real to that Simon hmm. as this new arc is going to be just as real for that Simon. So, like, in a way, I don't know. It's kind of nice. Like, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of it. Um, I'd probably do it myself if it was a real thing, especially in 2017. Um, <laughs> when it might be a pretty nice arc. Uh, but I digress. I just want to read this uh, post from Jacob G42 on the uh, on the ending and the choice to kind of leave uh, Simon in the dark a bit. 
Um, one of the things I really love that Soma does is allowing its protagonist to stay ignorant. Simon initially seemed impossibly naive to me. How was it that at the very end he still didn't understand the true nature of copying his consciousness? He had been told and seen it performed several times by that point. Did he really still think that his own mind could be transferred onto the Ark? Well, yes, the nature of Soma's interactivity, its unique storytelling ability as a video game, showed perfectly how Simon could keep himself in the dark about this process. He sat, closed his eyes, and the game transferred us, the player, to the next body. It did feel like our mind had simply been teleported, just like Simon kept telling himself. This makes the end of the game a particularly vicious knife twist. In concept, I understand that the procedure was a copy and paste not a cut and paste but even i didn't understand the desperation the loneliness the hopelessness that would result from being the one left behind earlier in the game i hadn't understood why so many of the crew had killed themselves after their transfer onto the ark suddenly i did <laughs> yeah it's so intense and <laughs> One of the things I wanted, we haven't really touched on the um, the art direction and the music in this game, but we're we're quickly running we out of time. Four but, hours. <laughs> yeah, we need another about four hours to talk about this game. But um, the music um, in this game, I think, is really really effective. But the most memorable piece of music is this the the music that plays over the final final ending where it pans back and you see the satellite and you see it drift into space and the the music lends it this kind of sat like it has gravity but it's like this limp gravity it's like this is the sum total of all of our culture all of human existence this, this is all that's left and it's so important but at the same time it isn't it really isn't that important in 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 the wake of what has been lost and the mu and the music sells that and it, it's just it it takes a sequence that it's already haunting and makes it incredibly haunting i, I agree with you on that on the last piece of music but i part of me thinks that this is like really the music for the rest of the game is my only letdown i guess um cuz like when i think about okay. all my favorite horror games you know, Silent Hill 2, Resident Evil 4, that's more of an action horror, but you know what I mean. Um, they all had, like, such striking, like, like, soundtracks throughout the entire game. And maybe that's not really the same kind of fit for this, for, for Soma, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I don't really remember much of the music in this. And maybe that's, in a way, now I'm thinking about it as I'm talking about it, that's kind of, like, could be more effective because in those sequences that did have music, maybe it was just... You know, like like any good editing is you you don't notice it as it kind of goes along, and it mm -hmm. kind of kept still kept me sucked into the the sequences. Um, but I I do kind of wish I could sit here and just replay any song in my head, and like I, I can't, and so I don't know. It's more sound design than music, though, isn't it? The majority. Oh of game, yeah, the sound design is on. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not really huge amounts of uh, time for music to be within the game. I think mean, I mean there's. I mean, it's certainly there's background stuff, but you know, it's more about you know being within the you know the facility itself and how they sell that. 
Let's hear from the forum. Um, if you want to contribute to future issues of Cane and Rinse, please head over to caneandrinse.com slash forum. All right, our first piece of correspondence is from username Donk, which is a great username. He says, he or she says, story and presentation was great. Saw some of it coming and some of it straight up kicked me in the nuts. And I loved all the story elements. But that game was about twice as long as it should have been. The monsters did not work at all, and I really did not like them. They just served as a wall between you and the story. I wanted to dig around more of the corridors, find some hidden story items, Easter eggs, but that wasn't even an option. Also, some of the fetch objectives felt more like filler. For example, when you're at an objective but it's blocked and you need three more items to progress, and you're back to dodging monsters for an hour. The game has a lot going for it, but for my taste, it should have, been, should have had more emphasis on the story and less on the survival and horror. Majestic Cow Man. Soma was a great game that had me thinking about it weeks after a completion, mulling over the various themes presented within its absolutely fantastic story. I came into this game unsure what to expect, and even then, it still managed to surprise me. Soma's slow descent into existential horror rivals the main character's literal descent into the ocean. The game's ability to differentiate copy and paste from cut and paste absolutely memorized me. That said, it's not all perfect. There were some instances where the gameplay certainly got in the way. The monsters seemed more like annoying obstacles to bypass rather than legitimate challenges. I couldn't help but find myself get frustrated with nearly every encounter insofar that my next replay I'll be removing them. I assume he means by using the mod. Mm -hmm. um, to end on a positive note, i like to draw attention to some of the beautiful set pieces presented in this game, especially the harrowing walk at the bottom of the trench near the end. A great game and an instant recommendation to horror fans and non-horror fans alike. Andy L says, After playing through Summer recently, I would say it mixes together a wonderfully realized setting with some very average stealth gameplay. Despite this, Soma is a game I would recommend to many people, especially fans of story-driven games. The first thing that I took away from Soma was its setting. The opening area, Simon's apartment, felt real and, and there for me to explore. Even 100 years into the future, frictional games got this aspect right. Sure, the technology may change, but people don't. Letters, emails, and pictures tell us a lot about the residents of Pathos 2. They are fairly normal people. Or at least they were before being warped by the WoW. I wanted to explore every new stage I got into in Soma, learning about the world and its people. Unfortunately, Soma's horror stealth sections often stop me from doing that. The gameplay here is very basic. It's you against one monster, and your only tactic is to hide. Except there are no places to hide in. No light, dark meter to tell you how hidden you are, and honestly, no real way to tell when monsters will stop searching for you. Looking back at Frictional's previous games, I'm shocked at how many gameplay mechanics are missing from Soma. The biggest sin Soma commits during the horror stealth sections is that, well, they're not scary. If anything, they became more annoying each time I had to redo a monster encounter. Eventually, I started setting the gamma to max and just running past the monsters. It was usually effective, but not necessarily fun. Still, I enjoyed my time with Soma. The story, setting, and philosophical discussions were all excellent. This is the first game I've played by Frictional. I will, keep, I will definitely keep my eyes open for their future projects. This is from Chopper. This is it. The apex, the zenith, <laughs> the epogee of walking simulators. I don't believe there has been a better delivered story in video games, nor one which combines 
to such great effect the interactivity of gaming with the story taking place. I have found a lot of the bigger narrative-based games to start well but have unsatisfactory or just downright terrible endings. Soma has possibly one of the most tightly plotted and coherent stories of any game and expertly nails the landing. Progressing through the underwater base, ostensibly mercy-killing the last survivors and hearing their screams of terror while wrestling with the metaphysical concept that I, like Simon, had only partly assimilated had only partly assimilated by the end, had a powerful effect on me. There is a true horror at play here. The cruelties you are forced to inflict on the people, the droids, and even the memory chips are really breathtaking. On my second playthrough, much later, I genuinely think that if the game had given Simon a gun halfway through, he, I, would have blown <laughs> his brains out rather than continue. I love the character of Catherine too, who approached everything with an all-business, what-choice-do-we-have attitude and really embraced it to a disturbing extent. Her reaction when she heard about the rest of the group murdering her was a nice human moment at the end. Yes, we didn't really go into that yet. Mm. So the, oh, yeah. the, mm. the rest of the scientists on the Pathos 2 end up killing Catherine, and they you never get an idea of who exactly killed her, but you know they one of them killed mm -hmm. her because she became so obsessed with this idea of launching the Ark. The weak point was probably killing the giant heart at the end. Yeah, we touched on that. <laughs> um, I suppose they had to tie off that piece of the narrative and it sticks out because it was a bit of a cliche. But then the developers totally redeemed themselves with that ending, which we should have seen coming but didn't. Bravo. Critical Coffee on YT. I went to Soma expecting it to be a scary game and that's what I found. To my surprise, this game didn't take place in space as I had interpreted from the first teaser trailer. Thus, the first time I entered the, a tunnel and saw through the glass that I was indeed underwater was pretty mind-blowing. Bioshock is one of my favourite games of all time and noticing that this was going to be a Rapture-esque experience in which I was sort of uncovering what happened in this utopia was exciting. The story itself delves deep into the moral question of what copying human beings with their emotions and personalities is like. If there is a carbon copy of a human being, does it have the same value of the original human? As Simon, we go through the three different versions until we end our own story on the Ark. The first time after Toronto, when you switch bodies, is horrifying because you can hear the previous Simon talking after you, after the jump. Looking back at it, I would be lying if I said that Soma is as scary a game as Amnesia or Primrimba. There is nothing as scary as the water monster Amnesia <laughs> in this game. That being said, it didn't stop me from having a thoroughly scary and intriguing experience with this game. Where Amnesia is more of a traditional horror game with hiding from monsters and running, Soma raises questions about what it is to be a human being or at least a robot with autonomy. Mononoke says, in terms of my video game experiences, my playing of Soma is rather unique in that it is my first and currently only strict horror game I have played and completed. As a genre, whether in film or video games, I'm not into horror at all. With films, it's generally because I don't find them all that scary as a passive observer, and indeed, I can't really take them seriously at all. 
With games, however, it's the exact opposite. Actually being directly involved in the horrifying experience can get too much for me. Nonetheless, with Soma, I was so intrigued by the initial premise and the themes the game explored, I couldn't help but want to play it myself despite my initial reservations. The fact is, Soma isn't actually all that horrifying in terms of its individual intense moments, though it certainly has those moments. Instead, what I found really effective throughout the entire game was its total sense of unnerving atmosphere that puts you right into the middle of this unsettling and creepy underwater facility so well. From the deteriorating facility itself, with its part robot, part human, part sea creature entities roaming the halls, to the stellar lighting work both inside and on the seabed, to the eerily effective sound design of dripping pipes and metal echoes, I was constantly on the edge of my seat as I explored this fascinating place to discover its secrets and better understand the philosophical quandaries being proposed by the story. Indeed, this was by far my favourite aspect of the game, the storytelling, which was top-notch, involving the player directly in the main beats and exploring the notion of selfhood through the first-person perspective in ways I had not seen before. This level of player interactivity with the narrative beats and theme scores high points in my book, as video game stories always benefit from such meaningful interaction and a use of inputs which are an inherent quality of the medium after all. The underwater sections were also a particular highlight, somehow upping the already high levels of unease to new heights, or should I say new lows? There is nothing I find more terrifying than making my way through as alien an environment as the bottom of the ocean floor with its unknown aquatic creatures lurking in the depths of that vast darkness. In fact, every time I played this game for an hour or two with the lights off, because I wasn't going to play this half assed I did find myself feeling drained after each session and put off finishing the game for some time. I'm apparently not used to being freaked out for long periods at a time. Nonetheless, the ending was well worth the wait, with its mind-twisting bends and curves, and I was left feeling very satisfied with the whole experience. Right, let's hear from Twitter. Um, you can send your free word reviews to at Kane and Rince. All right, Ryan Scully says, scare-free disappointment. Rich says, monsters prevented enjoyment. Andrew Elmore says, better without monsters. Deepudi agrees, says, didn't need monsters. Critical Coffee YT, that darn angelfish. The Reviewist, an existential conundrum. Dylan Todd, winning coin flip. Thomas Claridge, do the robot. Dr. Mark Sloan, don't look now. Mr. Bloody Buns. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) the wow. Jacob, VR's existential nightmare michael hughes we are vr johan says tons of pressure jbi digitize my soul chopper apex zenith (laughs) apogee sean xavier lucero unequivocally haunting ending mark delaney am i me 
And with that, all that's left is our summaries. Um, Sean, why don't you uh, start? You know, we've done a lot of issues of this podcast, and and I've played a lot of games in my years, um, but not very many of them have made me think deeply about life and and what it means to be a human and consciousness. And um, honestly, this is probably the best one for me in terms of any kind of sci-fi story that's that's tried to uh, broach this topic it's um i think just telling it through the gameplay medium or the video game medium i should say is is what makes it so effective you know we've we touched on that a few times but it's just it's true it's just it's putting you in this person's body or this person's mind i should say you're in many bodies i guess throughout the the story um it's just such a fascinating way to talk about what it means to be a person um, and to make me think about uh, how, what is, what is a human and, and what does it mean to be in a body rather than a copy of that and the consciousness is that, it, is it basically the same? Like they're, they're, are they not still, are they not feeling that as their reality in in that consciousness? You know, I could be one right now. I know I'm not. I, well, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Um, but I, just the fact that I'm even saying any of this stuff while talking about a video game. You know, I started off playing video games, playing Mario, jumping on a on a turtle, and that's fine. That's great. I love games like that too. But the fact that we've gotten so far to where we can start talking about existential philosophical ideas <laughs> is is really cool and i think uh, uh soma is is as is someone else said earlier is the the zenith of it for me um i absolutely love this game it's not without its faults i think the end the beginning kind of uh stinks um some of the voice acting is a little choppy at, at the start but man as it really nails it as it goes along so i i can't recommend this game enough for anyone who has a platform that it's on Tony. Uh, not to cover everything that Sean's covered because he's already covered it, but I agree with everything that Sean said there. Um, I mean, I would say a similar game that I had the kind of that emotional feel to is everyone gone to the rapture. It deals with with humanity in a, a slightly different way, maybe bringing in the God aspect, but um, equally as, as fascinating. Um, so I'm not going to cover over that, but I, what I will say is that this game is a really odd game because I, I talked about earlier how I feel like this game could be transplanted or its story of this game could be tra- transplanted outside of a horror game into many other games. In fact, one of the things we didn't talk about was that it being walking simulator-esque, at times I felt like there could be more game mechanics. Um, you know, I've been playing a little bit of Prey and you know, there's some similarities to be shared there, certainly in kind of the environmental stuff, although it being space. But, you know, I feel like a lot of those elements that I'm picking up, I maybe I could have done something with, like alienization. I could have picked up and created something, and maybe that, the puzzle element could have been a bit more kind of organic rather than just laid out for me. But that's okay because they went with that design. Um, I found the horror elements affecting in a way that you know they needed to be. I found the story elements fascinating, and combined in a whole package. I really think they delivered a fantastic product. Um, not without its faults for sure, but it's one that will continue to live long in the memory. And that's a pun that you should enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I agree with much of what Sean and Tony have said. I, I, I think this game is a storytelling triumph. I 
it is really up there with the best examples of storytelling I have ever bore witness to in video games. I just think it's that brilliant. And it's so, and like people have said in the post, like it, it just nails the ending. This is one of my favorite endings for any video game in a narrative sense that I've, I've come across in a long, long time. And it's, it's so haunting in a way that, um, like horror games are usually really focus on that kind of like you know jump scare style horror where um it's instantaneous like you get that you know rush of adrenaline oh that was spooky and then you forget about it like you just you don't you barely remember what happened just you just know that you were shocked this game is scarier the more I reflect on it. The more I'm forced to confront the ideas that it put in my head, um, the more it just stayed with me. The last time I had an experience with, like this in a video game, uh, had, I'm sorry, Dark Souls. Um, like Dark Souls was another example of a game where it really stuck with me. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that... Like I don't think Soma is quite as perfect as that video game is for me i think dark souls is kind of like the best in breed in a lot of areas but soma if we're just talking about storytelling i think soma is absolutely up there with the best of the best like sean said there are flaws but i think if you are if your tastes are similar to mine tony's and sean's i think it's very 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 easy to forgive those stumbles in the face of what it accomplishes um, highly recommended. I think Soma is a must-play for anyone who cares about storytelling in video games. Well, it just remains for me, Josh, to thank Sean, Tony, and all of our correspondents, um, for and, and all of you listening as well. Um, thank you for uh, joining us this issue. And remember, if you enjoyed this and other issues of the Cana Rinse podcast please consider heading over to patreon and making a small donation we could end up doing double the amount of canarins shows in future you know think about it so next time in issue 289 of the Canaan Rinse podcast join us down moon river as we cover bayonetta 2 